So welcome back to another podcast from Cairo, London. It's Craig McLean here again, and today it's pretty cool. We've got an international guest again, this time all the way from the Gold Coast on Queensland, Australia. And we're digging deep into the archive and pleased to be chatting with Dr. Edwina Waddell, a chiropractor who worked at Putney Cairo for nine whole years, finishing her reign in 2016, after which she flew the coop and went back to Australia and eventually set up her own practice called Evolve Chiropractic in Corumban on the Gold Coast. So yeah, it was great reminiscing about the personnel and the different people that crossed our paths over those nine years and great to catch up with Edwina. So yeah, sit back, have a little relax and hear what we got up to in our podcast, international podcast, London to the Gold Coast. Thanks. Hi, it's so nice to hear your voice. (laughs) Good to see you. Um, I love the international technology thing going on here. I love it. Is hang on? Can I hear a little bit of the Gold Coast in the background there? Maybe not the Gold Coast. Maybe just the birds in the trees outside. <laughs> That's what I was talking about. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. Hey. Yeah, it's so good to be speaking to you. I know. Um, when did I last see you? It was like a couple of years ago, right? This time last year, I think. I was in London. You did the quick trip to London. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah. And then I think I did see you in Australia, like um, one of my trips to see the family as well. So that was cool. Um, but anyway. Hey, uh, have you been watching any of the stuff I've been doing with anyone? With everyone? Um, I watched a few minutes of Luke Mulvihill's uh, interview, which was really interesting. It was nice to be reminded of what he did because we were in the same year at Macquarie University mm-hmm. and both practiced for the same company in Australia, ironically, before I moved over to the UK. In Sydney, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it's been quite a cool little exercise of just getting to know everyone. Um, I had the idea well before lockdown craziness and I thought, uh, you know, as a at least a, a very basic level of like doing this, uh, I should meet all of our chiropractors. Now we have like quite a few of them um, and it's been a really cool journey of just, you know, getting to know them a little bit better. Things like Luke reminding me the fact that he was actually a pro AFL footballer before he actually became a chiropractor. I know. And, you know, we've been friends for 20 years and I must have known that in the past and had completely forgotten. Mm. Um, now, let's. this is all about you, Edwina. Great. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, because um, obviously I've run out of chiropractors now to interview. <laughs> I've kind of done them all. Oh, really? All 17? Well, I think there's only 13. They kind of come and oh. go, you know. So uh, I think we have 13 episodes um, down pat. So it's time to bring dig deep into the archive and, uh, you know, have a chat to those that have come and gone. 
And you appear to have made the list before Bloomy. Um, so well done. Mm-hmm. Great. I'm honoured. Did you hear he turned 50 on the weekend? I did. I did. I couldn't believe that he was turning 50, actually. Mm. Anyway, look, let's give a little bit of structure to this thing as opposed to just uh, barreling on. Um, can you give us a little bit of, because you need to remind me, um, I, I vaguely remember that you were working with this in Putney for nine years, right? Nine years, yep, that's right. Okay, so give us what years were they? When did you start and when did you finish? I started in 2007 and finished in 2016. And 2016 is when you went back to Oz? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Holy moly, time is flowing. I know, absolutely flowing. <laughs> All right, so look, um, go maybe back even a little bit further though and just um, what were you, when did you arrive in London then? I think it must have been, goodness, 2004, 2005, not really that long before I met you. Um, I'd been finished um, my university degree for maybe 18 months. I'd always wanted to go and live overseas. So I did that very Australian thing that you could do then, which was get a working holiday visa and then immediately try to get sponsored by somebody so that could stay a little bit longer. So I did that and I practised... with a company that loved recruiting Australian chiropractors and practiced in a well-known place called Croydon, which was... uh, (laughs) Well-known for all sorts of reasons. (laughs) It was great, actually, but it was, like, very much a welcome to a stereotypical area of the UK. Um, But it was really great and I met some great people while I was there. Um, But after about 18 months... I got a call from this chiropractor that I'd met at a party, of course, um, a few months before, which was you, Craig, and you said that you were looking for the first ever female chiropractor and I think I couldn't quite get there fast enough. <laughs> yeah, you reminded me, um, what was going on there where Putney Cairo had zero female Cairo presence? Huh? Um, All those wasted years. And I'm pretty sure that uh, you know, as soon as you came, then the sort of uh, the floodgates opened, right? Um, and right. Yeah. the the balance was restored, so that was cool. Um, so, hang on, so what year did you graduate? Um, I finished in 2002. 2002. Then yeah. sort of did a little bit of work in Sydney, and then hit um, sort of London about 2004, five or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then worked for a couple of years. Did I sponsor you to be in the UK? I think we switched sponsorship from the company that I was with to Putney for a little while until I was able to switch to one of the many other working visas that I had before I became a citizen. Very good. And uh, still a dual national, I assume. Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, go back a step forward then uh, further and the tr- journey from far north Queensland to Sydney though, how did that even come about? Well, I'd been doing a Bachelor of Human Movement Science, which I loved and I particularly loved the exercise physiology part of the whole degree. 
And I knew that I was definitely going to do some other kind of study, but I wasn't really sure. And I really wanted to be able to do something to help um, athletes mainly just really perform at their best. And I kind of had it in my imagination what I wanted to do, but there wasn't really a profession or a career path exactly. I knew I was going to have to make it up. Um, and then at the same time, I went and visited my chiropractor that I used to see, and he was like, oh, well, if you want to do performance enhancement, you should think of doing chiropractic, which is something that my mother had been saying to me for years. Um, and eventually... Was that because yes. your mum was like a big fan of Cairo or like her Cairo? Massive. In, and that was your poon. There was, there, was a, there was a guy there. Yeah, there's a couple of, you know, long-standing chiropractors in that town who'd been practising there for 40 years or so mm. each, I think. And my mum was a massive fan. And really the thing that attracted me to it the most is, uh, you know, my uh, father, for example, was very gifted at what he did, but he didn't and he liked technically what he did physically all day, but he really didn't love his job and he would turn up to work every day and just it was like really hard for him emotionally, I think. But when I went to see our chiropractor, a guy called John Hobson, you know, you would walk in there and he would every time be having the best day ever and I knew that I wanted to always be having days like that. So there are lots of other reasons why I wanted to be a chiropractor, but really that probably sums it up the best. That is cool. I like that little bit of insight that comes out sometimes when you ask questions of like, you know, um, learning from parents and stuff like that. Hey? Um, and then obviously yeah. the, the, the journey was fairly smooth to sort of go from, well, you could fairly quickly go from high school to, to Sydney, did you? Uh, yeah, so I did my first degree. This is before I had sort of accepted that that's what I wanted to do. So I did my human movement science. I knew I needed to do something else. My mother is a careers counsellor and she said to me, uh, she goes, it's not really good enough just to choose a profession or a degree because you're kind of interested in the subject matter. You've got to be interested in it and it also has to meet the working conditions that you'd like so that you can have this great day every day the way you're imagining. And so when I sat down and sort of tallied it all up in the this is what I need and this is the profession that can do it. Chiropractic was really the only thing. And then I eventually accepted that I was going to go to university for another five years just so I could do that. And I told my mother and she was like, I knew you'd agree to that, darling. She goes, so I've already enrolled you in the Sydney course. And so I... <laughs> Great. Good on you, Mum. Um, well, that's cool. So then um, Sydney for five years then, was it? And no credit for doing human movement beforehand? Uh, no, I did get quite a bit of credit, but um, just with all the anatomy labs and things that we just didn't have access to, it just yeah. kind of took that long. Yeah, and I did my master's degree over three years instead of two. Cool. So um, that's quite cool. The... So then do you remember, were you, were you getting adjusted by the family chiropractor as a teenager or a kid or anything like that? Yeah, pretty infrequently. But if, you know, there was anything kind of happening, we'd often end up at the chiropractor and my father in particular um, yeah. because he had lots of spinal problems, was there all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but no, no real frequent care um, until I was actually practising. 
Now, uh, sometimes we should maybe interact with your many fans that are going on here. I think I saw Amy Bree joined in on the conversation. Oh, um, hi, Amy. <laughs> uh, Susan Morgan. Who's Susan Morgan? Oh. She hi. just said hi. Hi. <laughs> so anyway, so the um, then just go to um, you're in Sydney, you finish your degree, and then you kind of go to um, – uh what you you had worked a couple of years in uh sydney yeah i was um working in a practice in the cbd um where i was working with a friend of mine alison bennett um and i learned a lot of stuff about practicing luke mulverhill worked at one of our sister clinics at the same time uh so that was really nice um but yeah after 18 months i decided that i really wanted to push on and do something else. So I yeah. got my visa yeah. and I moved. Did you did you actually train with Luke or it was like he was a couple of years above you or something? Or? No, no same, we're in the same year. Same, same year. year, graduated. That's how you know him quite well. See, that was also uh-huh. a bit of missing uh, information I didn't have because I knew you guys knew each other, but I didn't know you studied together. So um, then over to the UK and then the rest is history nearly. Um, the rest, yeah, pretty much. Now, were you, you must have been working in Bective Road as well then, right? Yeah, so that's where we were. And I think we were there for, no, we were there for two years before um, we moved because I remember you came back from your sabbatical um, in Australia and you had just been to Michael Bloom's practice, I'm sure it was, and you came back and you were like, right, we're going to move, we're going to get these great new premises and it's all going to be modern and beautiful. Wow. So, yeah, I see again, uh, old age, uh, I'd forgotten the fact that you'd kind of gone through the transition. Uh, I remember Don Murray joined us right at that transition point or just before, in fact, right? So there must have been a period of time where it was like, what was it? You, Carlisle, myself and Don coming and going. Oh, so did Adrian come, did he take over from Carlisle or was he working with Carlisle? With Carlisle, yeah. And then Don eventually replaced yeah. him. Oh, that's right, because Don, I, know, I remember he was still doing his Midland stuff and then he eventually decided to move to London and become full-time and that's sort of when he, I think, worked two years or so in the new place. Um, and yeah. yeah. That was quite a good move, though, moving in that new place, wasn't it? Oh, it was great. Still going strong, and actually, it's basically a before its time socially distanced practice. Definitely, <laughs> literally, everyone has a little pod that they can just keep away from everyone, which is currently a thing. Uh, so, anyway, look at tell us more about. So, is there any any fond memories you have of the of the Putney time? Uh, I mean, there's so much going on in that sort of nine years. Hey? So much. Um, Goodness, I was actually trying to think of this before I went on the call because I knew you would ask me something like that. And there's just too many different eras to choose from. There's, you know, the Don and Abby era. There's like that original era when it was like you three guys and me, that was really fun as well, you, Carlisle and Adrian. Um, There's the Beck era, very popular um, that was <laughs> very popular era, that one. Yeah. Very popular era. Um, yes, yeah, so many. 
Um, so I guess just the people that we worked with, obviously a highlight is all the um, extracurricular ski trips we used to do, Craig. I'm still obviously in touch with Ammon Moman, who organised a couple of those trips, uh, the city ski championships, that type of thing, um, yeah. where we sort of we took everyone, didn't we? Gail and myself and was it, didn't Abby, she came on one as well, right? Yeah, Abby came, Beck came. That was quite cool. And then we had the Cairo table set up in the snow, uh, people in their ski boots just jumping on the table, finishing a slalom course and then jumping on the Cairo table and then sort of jumping back up the ski lift and going again, right? So yeah, yeah. that's the way Cairo should be delivered. Absolutely, every time. Maybe with a cocktail in hand at the same time, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe we need to get back into that sort of ski, Cairo ski scene. Anyway, um, you know, what else was I thinking about? The So through that time, though, as well, right, so you, you know, professionally you were on a bit of a journey through that time as well, right, um, and what were the – there must have been a couple of little outstanding seminars or pivotal moments that sort of – helped form yourself as a chiropractor in those years, right? Um, was Definitely. there anything, anything particular you remember that helped yeah. you with that? Yeah, there's two uh, standout ones. Um, one of them I started before I um, started at Putney, which was I started doing, uh, this is for all the chiropractors out there, um, the Neuroimpulse Protocol Seminars, which isn't really an adjusting seminar, it's a seminar on how to find the subluxation that needs to be adjusted and just, you know, really drove home to me that it's not just how you do it, but it's making sure that you're doing it in the right place at the right time. So I've based most of my, I don't know, kind of practice off practicing that way. Um, actually, then, that's right. At, at the time, Neil Davies was actually coming to the UK through McTimony and doing a lot of teaching there, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and it was really good, of course, for the paediatric stuff that he's really famous for. Um, but I don't even sort of exclusively use the particular technique that he endorses. But what I do really use is all of that knowledge on how to find that perfect subluxation that needs to be adjusted. Um, so that was probably one of the things that had the biggest influence on my career. And then the other seminar series are, of course, the famous Cairo Europe our seminars. Mm. The uh, one which, in Malaga, right? Absolutely, which is what has kept me sustained and motivated through my nearly 18 years of practice. So, you know, uh, this year we obviously got cancelled, but Drew had booked an Airbnb for a week in Malaga, ah. right? He had also planned on taking the sort of three or four key practice manager types along with him for that sort of key weekend um, and sort of opened it up to a couple of the chiropractors as well. But how disappointing is that? We finally actually got ourselves um, booked into that sort of scene. And Well, um, the registration is open for October. They should go. Well, I think he said that he's still got you know, the like credits for the tickets or whatever, you know. So uh, I don't know exactly what he's done with that. But, um, yeah, I think. Um, um, I, 
yeah, I do know that they have the credit, but they need to register if they want to go to the next okay. one and use it. Yeah. Because there's probably some sort of maybe limitation to what they can do as well, right? Maybe 700 people in a room. Is that a thing anymore? Or, or who knows? I don't know. I know it's Spain. Maybe you can get away with more. It's a pretty big room, you know. <laughs> it's a pretty big room. So I also remember, though, one of the sort of towards the end of your time with Partney, I remember you hooked up with Mike Hutch, my kind of financial mentor, um, and that was a bit of a journey too, right, towards the end, which probably helped form you or help you a bit on the, on the more recent stuff that I need to talk to you about anyway, about the setting up of your own practice, right? Um, yeah. So what do you remember from that or was there anything that you specifically learned from that? Um, I think you can sum it up in one word, which is just focus, you know, uh, focus on what you want and focus on measuring those things that you need to measure to get what you want and look at the actions that you take and the kind of the harvest that you get from them, scale accordingly until you arrive where you want to be, just uh, structuring it a little bit more, uh, what you're doing, because I do like formulas and I do like structure. Um, so um, that worked really well for me. Nice. So just, yeah, honing the focus. Great yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, you, are you still there in, in contact with him or not? Not for ages. Um, we yeah. did have lots of conversations around, uh, after I got back when I was sort of needing some advice on how, when and where to set up a practice, but not for oh. a while. We should give him a plug from, that's Mike Hutch from the Peloton accountancy firm down in Cornwall. So, yes. Um, but anyway, the, so then you, you got back to Oz um, and you did, you, no, you were in, in, in Gold Coast initially, weren't you? I was everywhere. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> well, I can imagine after like nine years of like, sort of at least some sort of regular routine or, or life that you knew, all of a sudden you're in Australia and then you, you didn't quite know what you were wanting to do, right? Yeah, not really. And I'm also the a sort of person, I like regularity, so it was really hard for me to decide to move not once but twice when I got back. I locumed for a little while and then I decided I'd give the Gold Coast a go Um I think after London, it was just a little bit too quiet at that time. I had a little yeah. bit of trouble um, adjusting. I really loved the city life and I was trying to set up a practice, but I just couldn't get things to stick the way that I wanted. And then I injured my knee, of course, um, and couldn't work for a little while. So I was a little bit disheartened, but I received an amazing associateship offer at a good friend's practice in Sydney, which I love. And I used to live there, as you know, so I was very excited to move back down. Um, but as I left, I met my now partner, David, who convinced me after another year and a half to move back up with much initial resistance. And now I'm very glad that I did. And we opened Evolve Chiropractic together. So just go back to that. Was it, uh, did you work for Amy Bree's cousin? No, I worked with her cousin-in-law at the practice of one of my very good friends. And if any of you know Jackie Johnson, who practices in London, it's her stepsister, Sam, Samantha Johnson, that I practice with. Uh, right, okay. 
Yeah, yeah, because I remember it's because Amy Bree filled me in a little bit more detail about the fact that as she was going through university that um, she, I think it was her cousin, wasn't it, that actually had this busy family practice in northern part of Sydney somewhere and yeah. ended up being a mentor and then I think she worked for them for a bit. Um, I can't remember. Um, but anyway, to go back to Evolve Chiropractic Gold Coast, uh, I love what you've done with, the space hey what a journey yes. that is though thank you it's amazing oh it's so beautiful craig i wish you could see it so after how long has it been around for um it was 12 months two weeks ago One year week ago. in so uh-huh. 17 years of practice you just decided enough's enough about time i did my own thing yes yeah and you've probably got 17 years worth of accumulated knowledge and what you want and what you don't want that then you're able to sort of like hone into your dream practice Uh, right yeah because what I didn't realize is I thought I like I obviously do have a lot of things to learn and I'm learning them every single day um but actually a lot of the things that I needed to know when do I already knew how to do because I'd been doing it um as an associate of course um but now I could do it for myself very good. So what were the, you know, were there any key things that you, well, you regret or you love about the sort of new space or, um, yeah, was it um, anything really hard or? Um, no, not really. Uh, nothing was really hard. I thought that running my own practice would be like a lot of work and really hard, but it's actually easier because now, when I want to do something, I can just go, all right, I just need to do this and I can just go and do it myself. <laughs> I don't have to wait for anyone. I don't have to ask anyone. I can just yeah. go and do it or not, you know. Yeah. Um, now, I did see, I think uh, I, I was on a call with you the other day and uh, you literally ran across the road and you didn't jump in the river, but you're literally over the road from the Corumban River or something. Is that right? Yeah, the Corumbin Creek, it's beautiful and it's just, you know, 10 metres from the front of my door. It's a pretty special spot to be. I'm very lucky. Mm. And then you also, you practice, you've gone for a kind of quite an open feel, which mm-hmm. I get the yeah. impression uh, probably works really well in Gold Coast. You get your guys coming in with the flip-flops for those from the UK thongs on kick the thongs at the door just been surfing sandy feet that style and they jump on the yes. table right is that yeah that's exactly how it is yeah yeah kids and families doing the same thing they've probably you know you probably have that that's the the well hopefully you don't have carpet down right so you can just sweep away all the um, sand right is that that's the thing yeah 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 no carpet okay and yeah, I mean, so first year in practice, though, starting from kind of absolutely zero in probably one of the more heavily populated chiropractic areas in Australia, right? How is yeah, that? Yeah, one on every block. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it was good, actually. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people on the Gold Coast and you'd be surprised at um, how many people still come in and have never been to a chiropractor before. Uh, So, you know, there's definitely a lot of people around and if you just, I don't know, make your business an extension of yourself and your own values, um, people who really align with that just tend to eventually start gravitating towards you. Um, Mm. Yeah, so I I was like 
I think before I actually decided I was going to work on the Gold Coast, I was maybe a little bit concerned about that, but in practice it hasn't really mattered. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine, like, uh, I think Briz Vague and Gold Coast are nearly, like, joined up now, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so there's a lot of people gravitating to that, that area, isn't it? So Yeah, um, yeah there is. There's a lot of new people moving in, although I hear no Victorians are allowed to move in at the moment. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Those poor guys. A bit crazy down there, I know. Uh, so, like it's even better because obviously Melbourne uh, is kind of fairly isolated in itself because the, the country guys can kind of carry on doing whatever they want to, but uh, apparently Melbourne's on poor Melbourne. lockdown. Man. Yeah. Um, so just maybe touching on that as well, how was it through the whole sort of early phases? Cause obviously globally we've all done this thing with, um, uh, COVID and it was pretty hard in London to try and work out what to do. Uh, in London, we didn't have a clear message from the government, which I know you guys had a, a very clear message and still do. The guys in London, in Melbourne have this message of like, there's only four reasons to leave the house. And one of those is a, a vital health appointment, right? Uh, of which chiropractic is or allied health is considered to be one of those reasons, right? Um, yeah, that's right. So was it okay? Or was it um, weird? Um, or was gonna... I, um, it was really weird. I mean, people could still come in and I didn't really... People were initially weirded out and then everyone kind of just got on with it a little bit. Um, what um, seemed to affect us more is it's a border community where I live and, of course, Queensland shut its borders. And there were barricades down the middle of, you know, streets and suburbs and things, which um, was just really strange and quite distressing for everybody. Um, but then people really started to kind of just rally a little bit. What was a little bit harder is we rely on tourism quite a lot in the Gold Coast and because no tourist um, sort of destinations could open, a lot of people lost their job, which was also really distressing. Um, yeah. That things are slowly starting to open up now. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, as you say, like you can't have any Victorian tourists, but I guess you can have uh, guys from New South Wales or yeah. that sort of thing. Everyone else welcome, please. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was literally a thing, though, where they had like you couldn't drive down the sort of major motorway to actually get to New South Wales, right? It was kind of closed or it was like had some sort of checkpoint on it, did it? Checkpoint, yeah, Checkpoint Charlie. Wow. Yeah, so that was pretty wild uh, having that kind of stuff. But then sort of the day-to-day -day stuff in the practice because I work in there by myself without an assistant and it's really quite a big space, um, I didn't really have to change very much the way I practice because everyone is naturally quite spaced out and there's no staff except for me. So that, was, that bit wasn't so bad. So have, have you... I was almost going to ask you that, but um, have you consciously gone for no staff? Um, I always meant for my practice to be so efficient that I wasn't completely relying on staff but also knew I would eventually get busy enough that I would need some support. Um, having, I was kind of thinking of hiring someone around the time that coronavirus came and instead decided that I was going to completely automate as many things in my practice as I could apart from the actual 
human interaction and conversation, of course. So that's what I'm doing. I'll keep mm. doing that for a little while until I hit some other kind of capacity block and then I'll see what creative solution I can come up with then. Without a doubt, we, uh, we've we learned from that as well because obviously when we opened, well, we, we kind of continued to provide emergency care to people but um, we also realised how almost over-reliant we were on the front desk to a degree um, and, yeah. you know, how much um, we can actually be um, doing more ourselves as chiropractors, you know. Um, so... Uh, that was really quite interesting the way that even now we don't have um, uh, many as many CAs in the building. A couple of the practice still don't have a CA in the building, you know. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, things can run pretty smoothly when there's only one point of contact, I've realised. So, yeah. you know, nice to keep it that way. Um, all right, well, we're sort of rabbiting on a little bit about things. What? Um, who's your dog? Where is she? Can you see her? Oh, there she is. <laughs> so who's that? That's my rescue pup, Sunny. We adopted her a year ago um, when she was a lot younger and I thought I could train her to just come into the practice with me every day and she's amazing. I can confirm you don't need to keep any toys or children's books in the practice if you have a puppy. <laughs> and, uh, like, that position she has uh, adopted there is a similar position throughout the day, right? Um, well, she's actually a working dog, so she gets pretty fired up in the daytime and likes to run around. But that's great if you have a lot of toddlers in the practice. Um, they can all play chasey around the table. Um, no, I, I, I have to walk her a lot in the practice, uh, sort of breaks and things and in the lunch breaks. But then she's pretty chill when she's in there and she's really gentle. So she's a great addition to the practice. Wow. Um, sorry about that. The, that sounds like a great idea, I think, to uh, especially a new practice is get a cute dog um, sat at the front and then no, 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 no end of people can actually just come and uh, pop in the door and say hi. Um, so, it works. Yeah, look, um, I've been asking a few people a few other things about, um, you know, is there any, I think I've asked you, is there, is there any particular um, Cairo or health-related book that you normally go to as a bit of a go-to to share with people? Well, I was thinking about it and the it can be a little bit dry for some people and the title is so long that I can never remember it off the top of my head, but it's this one. The 14 Foundational Premises for the Scientific and Phys uh, Philosophical Validation of the Chiropractic Paradigm. James Chestnut. It's the best. Yeah, I think that's the one which has like literally every scientific article, journal um, supporting what chiropractic does, right? All the good ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Um, that is a good one to dig out of the cupboard, that's for sure. Um, any bit of health advice that you normally give out or that you've received that you normally share? Um, just the principle of consistency, just like with any process in life, whether you're trying to start your new business or, you know, heal an injury, it's just uh, 
pick and acknowledge the things that are right to do and you don't need to be adding new things to that list all the time. You just have to keep doing those right key things sort of day in, day out, week in, week out and just measure your progress over time. How things are on any one day isn't a true indicator of how you're going but if you can track these things over time, that's what really matters. So that's the advice that I give to all of my patients Yeah, and that I try to follow in life. Be consistent. Yeah, build the momentum. Good advice. Uh, well, what, what about outside of Cairo world? What are you getting into? And uh, surely you've uh, got the perfect place to become a stand-up paddleboarder. Well, yeah, the creek opposite is amazing for that. So I do go stand-up paddleboarding sometimes. Not as often now that I have my puppy, who's a bit of a waterphobe, but I still have this dream that I'll be able to do it and have her on the front of my board. Um, spend a lot of time hiking on the beach or up in the mountains near our place. And just generally being on the beach, it makes me wonder uh, how I survived for so many years in uh, London, Craig. Now that I see how much I love being back. Yeah, I think this whole period of like no one traveling or moving around is making everyone probably reassess their sort of choices in terms of where they live. And, you know, we live in a lovely part of London, but we're like, I think we need some fresh air, a bit of a change of scene. Yeah, definitely. I think I've never gone as long in my life without getting on a plane Mm. as these last four months. Tell you what, though, I mean, the, the one positive out of this whole thing is, like, the flight path has disappeared, right? Yeah. Uh, and so the air is cleared up. No one's uh, on the tubes. The city has just calmed down a little bit in terms of um, people moving around. And it's almost like it needed a bit of a cleanse, London. It needed a bit of a kind of just detox because it was yeah, getting definitely. out of hand. Um, and, I th- well, you know, if we can kind of just head down, get on with things. I think London's going to be better off for it to a degree. You know, if you want to be optimistic about these things, <laughs> we're going to get I, through. I do like to be optimistic if I can. What's the, uh, what is the, is there a major kind of point of difference now that you've had like, you know, a couple of decades in Australia, a decade in the UK and now more time back in Australia? What's the... <clears throat> What's the biggest difference? Like, is it people? Well, obviously, you've got because everyone like in the in most people when they kind of find out you're Australian, they're like, "What the hell are you doing over here?" Um, in terms of you've got such a beautiful country. Um, yeah, is there is there anything else that is sort of like made you? Because you are feeling like like are you done with the UK living, or do you see maybe oh. the future? You might oh, do something. Well. Well, I never say never, but um, I can't imagine it, no. Um, My boyfriend and I have just bought uh, 10 acres of land down in the valley near the practice and have these ambitions to have a big sort of eco-friendly house and chickens and vegetable gardens and things, so I think that'll take up my time for the foreseeable future. Well done. That's uh, Well, you're certainly putting your roots down there anyway, so... um... Yeah. I don't think we'll hold our breath in waiting for you to arrive back in the UK to live Maybe, anytime soon. Not to live. I would love to come back for a visit. I'm so glad I came back when I did last year. Yeah. 
I know. I mean, who knows what's going on? Although I believe um, you can fly to the UK from Australia without quarantine, but you just can't return. No, you cannot return. Mm. It's a one-way ticket. Yeah. Uh, well, is there anything else that we haven't covered? Uh, really good to see you and just uh, catch up on some of those old memories of like, especially the people, you know, like I'd, you kind of, um, you've reminded me if I'm going to go back through the archive, there's quite a list. You've got so many people to choose from. Who will you choose next? <laughs> well, I am trying to get Bloomy on the, uh, on the radar. So he was definitely next on the radar. But then, as you say, you know, like um, I am catching up with Don Murray soon because, you know, we still have a bit to do with him because his practice is just down the road from the other practice in, um, in town. And of course. yeah, I've sort of used lockdown as sort of a, another thing we're doing is we're installing a new x-ray machine in the Marlebone practice, right? Um, so you probably remember the Barclay Clinic, right? Very well, yeah. Because is that where you used to go and get adjusted from Joe? Joe and Jill Hopley before Joe as well. Wow. So for years I was going there. Those guys wouldn't recognise that place either, but especially now that we've done like a full major revamp of downstairs and, um, yeah, the X-ray machine's being installed. So, um, yeah, but that's what I mean. We're just going to get Dawn over to sort of refer a few people to, to do all that. So, um, yeah. Anyway, did I forget anything? I don't think so. Well, look, thanks for joining us. Um, I hope, uh, obviously, I'm going to turn this into a podcast like I have been doing. So, um, you know, it's obviously accessible for anyone who wants to listen on the Cairo London podcast. But, hey, good to see you. And um, we will catch up again soon, hey? Absolutely. All right. See you later, Eddie. Thanks for joining us. Bye.